0: I'm Bryant, Lee pastor here if you're brand new with us. All right, so part three of seven days to live. And here's what we've been talking about. This series is all about time, which you feel like you don't have enough of. And so what we've talked about is the fact that a lot of us spend a lot of time looking at the time, but we don't spend a lot of time asking the question of what we're doing with our time. And you know this already, but your time is your life. And so time is a spiritual issue. Time is a faith issue because what you do with it is ultimately going to determine the course of your life. So Moses comes along and he writes this couple thousand years ago in Psalm 90, 12, and he says, and it's basically a prayer, God teach us to number our days or basically live like our days are numbered, live like our time is limited so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He's basically saying live like you don't have all the time in the world because you don't. And any time You live like you have a limitless supply of anything, doesn't matter what it is, you waste it. So God, teach us to live like our days are numbered so that we begin to handle our days and our time differently, and ultimately the payoff is you gain a heart of wisdom. Basically what Moses is saying is this, and at the end of your life for some of you, you are going to get crystal clear insight into what what is most important, what you should have prioritized, what you should have made ultimate in your life. And he's like, don't wait till those final days. Go ahead and reach into your future right now, into those final days, and grab a hold of that wisdom and bring it into your present so you begin to live differently. And if you're a Jesus follower, here's what we said. You have been created not for your own story. And you have been created to live for your own glory. Your, your little life and your glory is way too small. You've been created to live for his glory, to sync up with how he wants you to live your life. And ultimately, when you do that, and when you evaluate the fact that your days are short, you're gonna gain wisdom that other people don't have, and you are gonna spend your time differently. And you are going to avoid avoidable regrets. And so Moses is like, God, just just help us with this. Then last week we said this, and I'd love for you to go back and check it out on SoundCloud or on iTunes, but your priorities ultimately are going to determine the capacity of your life. And you know this already, but your priorities are going to determine at later seasons the capacity of your life, meaning what you put into your schedule and ultimately what you get out of it. Your priorities determine your capacity. And yet, all of us know this, and we don't prioritize what is most important. And we get to later seasons of our life and realize we can't get our 20s back. We can't get our 30s back. We can't get a first marriage back. We can't get any do overs. And we're left with some regrets. And, and we just feel like there's always a full schedule, and we know what's most important, but we can't seem to really find a way to prioritize it. And something suffers our kids suffer, our marriage suffers. Those relationships that are most important to you tend to suffer. Your spiritual health suffers. You neglect some things for a while, and immediately there's no consequences, but ultimately there's a payoff. You neglect your kids' own spiritual kind of health and well-being. You don't get into a community group. You don't prioritize those things as part of this movement called the church that you should as a Jesus follower. You neglect some things in terms of leaning in to your spouse to really communicate to them that what's most important to them is most important to you, And the thing is, you look around and you just think, I, I don't know any other way around it. This is what everybody does. Like, I'm doing the best I can, but it always feels like there's just not enough time that some things get misplaced. But everybody feels that. Everybody's dealing with that. There's no really any way around that. And then we have this naive idea that eventually it's going to get better. And so we're constantly living for eventually, but eventually never comes. And we just feel hemmed in by our schedules and our priori- priorities and what we know we should do and sometimes there's guilt behind that and it just seems like like there's no way off that treadmill and, and here's the thing and this is just like my hunch but I think there's a lot of research that even backs this up is is that we are a part of a generation right now where we are just exhausted we're exhausted physically we're exhausted spiritually for some of us we're exhausted emotionally We're exhausted in terms of relationally and trying to keep up with everything, and we just feel like that there's no way out, and there's no way around that. And so here's what I want to talk about today, just kind of one big subject that really plays off of what we've been talking about for two weeks, and it's going to not seem to fit, especially as I'm talking about maximizing your opportunity and maximizing your capacity as we looked at last week. But it's one of the major priorities throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, that's a big part of getting the most out of your life. And the big kind of subject that I want to look at is defined by this one word right here, Sabbath. Which again, when you're talking about, okay, maxing out your life and maxing out your capacity and making the most of your time and numbering your days, this doesn't seem to be one of those things that's going to help you do that. It's kind of a nice to have, and that's great in your world, but in my industry and my family and what I've got going on, a little unrealistic. But throughout the scripture, this is a huge deal. It's talked about over and over again in different ways as it relates to our time and getting the most out of our life. So here's what I'd say real quick is even if you think this is naive and crazy, I'm gonna define what I mean by Sabbath in a second, but even if you think this is naive and crazy, you have got to love a God that with every other command is like, take a day off. Like, take some time. Not, not if you get a chance to do it. Not if, you know, it works out with your schedule. Like, do this. This is spiritual. I mean, even if you don't believe in Jesus, like, you can get your mind around that. I don't believe any of the rest of it, but I'll, I'll go with Jesus on that one. Like, it's amazing that, that God made that one of the priorities. Here's what I mean by Sabbath. Sabbath is basically this. It is the space between the current rhythm of your life and your limits. The space between the current rhythm of your life and your limits. And here's the thing. This is a a day, and I'm going to draw that application out. You've you've heard about Sabbath, and I'm not talking about some rule-based, law-based, whatever, but but in some ways it's going to look different for everybody, but building this into your life. But there's a bigger application because a lot of us are working without space in every area of our life. You're working out without space in your finances. You're at a hundred percent. You are maxed out. And it's causing stress. You're maxed out with the schedule with your kids. You're maxed out in terms of priorities in your home. And you're trying to shuffle it all around. You feel like you can't do it. But basically, Sabbath is the space between the current rhythm of your life and your limits. Rhythm of your life meaning all of the things you're doing, all the things you're prioritizing, all the things that you're putting on your schedule. So again, I know some of you are going to push back on this. And I get it, whether you're online or in the house. But here's what you already know. You have limits. You have limits, and at some point down the road, someone is going to define for you your limits, and sometimes it's not even a someone, it's a something, but something and someone ultimately is going to determine your limits, and you've got to figure out who you want that to be and what you want that to be on the front end, but you have limits. There is a point, and some of you are moving in that direction dangerously fast. There is a point where your life redlines, There is a point where there is no space and there is no margin, and it affects every part in every area of your life, and in your attempt to get the most out of life, you actually lose control of your life. Like for some of it, if you talk to, and I would highly recommend this, get some relationships with some 70-year-old people, 80-year-old people who are still lucid. Sit down, talk with them. That sounded like a shot, and I I didn't mean that to be a shot. I really didn't. And if you're, I apologize, if you're in here and you're 70 or 80, seriously, that was filter breaking down. That are still in that place where they want to invest in your life. Rewind. Um, But sit down with them and like just have the conversation because here's what a lot of them would tell you. and, And I've had these conversations. I would go back into earlier seasons of my life and I would trade some progress for a little more peace. I would go back into earlier seasons of my life, and you just need to know this because you don't have the benefit, you know, talking to me of time and wisdom like I do. I would go back and I would trade some prosperity for a little bit more peace. And in my attempt to get the most out of life, I lost control of my life. And so here's a couple things that, again, you already know. A lot of this series is you already know it, but somebody needs to bring it to your attention again. And we need to allow God to do what he wants to do in our life to carve us up and lead us in a new direction. So here's what you already know. When you have no space and no margin in your life, ultimately your stress levels are going to go up. I mean, you're shuffling your kids to four different things to the point that you don't even know your kids anymore. Like, you are so maxed out in terms of, you haven't taken a day off in three weeks, and you have legitimate excuses, but I mean, there's just, there is no margin. You're not enjoying anything. You drive 80 miles an hour to get everywhere you're going, and you've experienced that thing where you got to get somewhere, and there's traffic, and like, you, you just, you're stressed out, your anxiety is through the roof, and generally, this is what we use to treat other people like crap as an excuse, Right? Because like well, I, my kids and this thing and all I'm juggling. And that that is the thing that ultimately creates this TMZ-worthy meltdown in front of somebody else who has nothing to do with your issue, but because you have been maxed out for so long, they're getting the brunt of it. Basically, they stand in the way of the rhythm of your life and the fact that you have no space and it's all coming at them. And your stress levels are just through the roof, right? I won't ask you to raise hands. Second one is this, you, you tune out other important things. And I'm going to talk about this next week, but there's seasons of your life where that's really good. You have to do that. You have to narrow the focus. But here's what I mean is you get to a place where you've operated with no space for so long that now you're solely focusing on these areas where you felt overwhelmed or these areas where you feel like you've neglected it for a while and it hasn't been your intent to neglect it or neglect them, but you just have. And because you're in this place where it's kind of crisis mode and there's no space, is that you feel out of necessity that you actually have to kind of tune out and basically not pay attention to some really important things in your life. And so you become narrowly focused and you tune out some other really important stuff. Here's how I'd illustrate this. If, If the closer I get to the front of this stage, Um, The the more I start to look down because I don't want to face plant and so as I get to the front I start to not look at you and I start to look at the front of the stage so that doesn't happen and all of my focus Begins to narrow here because I'm about to go off the ledge And for some of you, that's where you are in life. And as you get closer and closer to the limits of your life, all your attention goes down so that you don't redline, so you don't go off the cliff, and you neglect some really, really important things in your life. And you know where it's affecting you the most, right? Here's the third thing, is that your relationships are suffering. This is why this is a spiritual issue. This is why this is a a faith issue, because God says, let me, like, let me boil down the whole following Jesus thing and, like, Two components, love God and then love other people. Love God. the Hey, make progress. God's called you to do some things. He's created you, started with Adam and Eve to be a cultivator, to be a a leader maybe, to, to move forward industry. I mean, do all of those things with whatever God's called you to do. But ultimately, at the end of the day, all of those things are simply a means to an end. And the chief goal for all of us, if we're followers of Jesus, love God, love other people. And when we are at a place where there's no space and no margin in our lives, it keeps us from doing the one thing well that should define find us as followers of Jesus. Here's the thing, you know this already too, but let's just talk about it, is is that generally the health of your relationships are really going to determine your fulfillment. Your fulfillment is determined by the health of the relationships in your life that matter the most. And so when, when we have no space, it begins to affect the things that at a later season whether you believe this or not, it is going to be the measure of success for you. You are not going to care so much about what you did in industry and how much market share and, and how many businesses and on and, or your kid's scholarship. I mean, all of those things are important and great. I'm telling you, the, the clarity of seven days to live will bring you to a place that what will matter the most is the health of your relationships. It's the most important thing, right? And, and you know when we get to this place where we're redlining, or where there's no space, which is a lot of us, it, it's just it's affecting those relationships that matter most, and the people that are noticing and most impacted, if you, and I'll just speak to an arrow group for a second, is your kids. They're the people that are that are getting the brunt of that, and you're even disguising it as I'm doing this for you, I'm doing this for you, I'm doing this for you, and you are driving your kids into the ground. Marcus Buckingham, a long time ago, um, a few years ago did this study, and he basically um, did a study around work and what kids wanted the most in terms of relationship with their, par- their parents. And, and here's a little sn- snippet from that, is that a word Snip, snippet? Um, here's, uh, here's the little, <laughs> just make stuff up. Um, here's the, here's the, the study. A study of 1,000 young people in third through 12th grade asked kids and teens this question. If you were granted one wish that would change the way your mother's or father's work affects your life, what would that wish be? Like, what would it be? What what do you think they would say? In a parallel study, more than 600 mothers and fathers were asked to guess what their children's wishes would be. So, what do you think? What would your kids want most from you? You're wrong. Most parents, but thanks, thanks for playing. Most (laughs) parents, 56% guessed that their children would wish for more time with them. They were wrong. So, what did kids actually want? Ready? Most children actually wish that their mothers and their fathers would be less stressed and tired. Not even, we don't even want any more time. Honestly, we feel like we get enough time from you. We just, we, we want you to be less stressed, less tired, because it's, it's impacting all of our, our life. And the thing is, I just don't want to go too heavy on this, but I just think the current of culture moves us in this direction. And you're just looking around at everybody else trying to keep up or whatever it is. We'll talk about that in a second. And, and you're just kind of herded in a direction where everybody feels the same way, but we don't really know what to do about it. And the truth is, when you don't prioritize what matters the most, you always hurt those who love you the most. And those you love The most. When you don't create margin and space and create priorities that are in sync, if you're a Jesus follower, if you're not, whatever you've made most important, the the priority never just hurts you. It always bleeds out to people around you. Again, it's why this is a spiritual issue and a faith issue. And so real quick, and I want to dive into a couple passages of scripture, but why, it's like what we said last week, why don't we just do it, why don't we just go change some stuff? Why, why don't we go just make some really, really important but difficult decisions? Why don't we just do that? Because probably everything that I just said, if you're online, podcasting, in the house, regardless of your faith, you agreed with most of what I just said. So why don't we just do it? And I think the reason we've talked about this a little bit that we don't do it is this one huge word right here. Fear. We're just afraid. In fact, some of you have actually even used that language. When you start thinking about stuff or, or you know, you've been caused to think about stuff these last two weeks, one of the things that comes up is just fear. You are afraid, you're not, I mean, some. of oh, it's a discipline thing, it's a whatever thing, but I think behind all of that, it's a fear thing. You fear missing out. Well, I, I can say no to my kid about gymnastics, but I can't say no also about swimming and dance and softball. And so I'm just afraid, I'm afraid what's, what's going to happen if I say no to, to all of those things. Like, I'm afraid if we just pick one of the four, they're not going to max out or the, whatever. And you just, you just have all of these reasons. You're single right now and you have the potential to have more margin and more space at this season of your life than you ever will. But you feel so moved to, because I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss something. And and you're in this kind of, again, cultural thing where experiences, experiences, experiences equal fulfillment. And I'm all about experience and travel the world and go whatever. And, and like, that's amazing. Go see places. But I'm just telling you, if that is the sum total of your life, fulfillment is not going to be found in experiences. You will eventually find that all of the experiences in the world are hollow, And we culturally have this idea, and some of you, as single 20 somethings, have bought into it. I just need more experiences, more experiences. And you have, again, moved your life to the limits and to the edge, and you're not actually enjoying anything, and you're afraid you're gonna miss out. For some of you, you're afraid you're gonna fall behind. We've looked at, I'll just go quick, because we've kind of looked at this already, but this crazy thing that we do in a social media generation. Where you're looking at everybody else, and, and we said this, you know this, it's always everybody else's highlight reel, always. And, and when you get to do what I do, you just see that so often, because I don't get any of the calls of, hey, things are not going great, just calling to check in. I, I don't get those. It's always things are out of control by the time it gets to me. And, and so you have this experience of watching people and you think it's great and social media, I mean, it is, I, it is Pinterest perfect. Everything is rolling, amazing. And then you get the stories behind that where actually everything is falling apart. And my point in all that is for some of us, we're actually living in the shadow of somebody else's, not even reality, trying to keep up with them. And we'd actually step outside of the rhythm of what God wants for our life And behind it all is we fear that we're going to fall behind. You fear that you're going to fall behind. You fear that you're not going to measure up somehow. Or your spouse feels like they're not going to measure up somehow. And it is driving your schedule. And then thirdly, we fear not mattering. And so for some of us, you, you get so addicted to progress. And we actually equate busyness with progress, which it's not. But it's just this thing of fear of not mattering, fear of not mattering. And we're just... Pursuing and going after the next thing, and and all the while we're we're not really prioritizing what is most important. And here's the ironic thing: that in our fear of not mattering, it actually pulls us away from what really matters. In our fear of, I'm not gonna matter, I'm not gonna measure up, I'm not gonna matter, whatever that means, it's usually undefined for you, but you just feel like you're not gonna matter. And what happens ironically is you pile up a bunch of stuff in your fear of not mattering that does not matter. And the other thing is, it is robbing us spiritually. There is so much fear, and come on, I'm with you, so I'm not talking at you, I'm talking to us. Like There is so much fear that is driving us that we move to a place where, again, there is no space whatsoever, and we, we don't hear the voice of God. And I don't want to make that super mystical because I'm not a super mystical person. I think the church does a really bad job of that. God has never spoke to me. It's usually through promptings and yeah, I need to go that way and that's God speaking. But I just mean throughout the scriptures, you find that in space and in margin and in breathing places where you're not maxed to the limit is where God begins to nudge you and lead you and show you and inspire you and kind of speak to you. And we're not hearing that because there's never any space and what's driving all of it It's just fear. And so all that to say what is crazy is throughout the Scripture, God over and over again connects this issue of fear and faith, fear and faith, fear and faith, fear and faith. And what maybe you've never considered is this whole idea of Sabbath as a day or Sabbath as a lifestyle, it's both and. It is a faith, and it is a trust issue. And what you will find is, as you begin to surrender your time, because it's easier to talk about than it is to do, what you will b- find is certain tensions and angst inside of you where God's going. I'm revealing to you where you actually don't trust me. That's part of the, the big reason for all of this. And so out, throughout Scripture, you see it over and over and over again, starting in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, you guys still with me? You still with In the Old Testament... Um, There was the Israelites, and they were in Egyptian captivity for 400 years, literally slaves, which is hard for us to imagine. And so the idea for them of taking a day, like taking a day off, creating space was, was unthinkable. Because if you didn't work in their culture as slaves, you didn't eat. If you didn't work, in many cases, you could be beat down and, and like sent off somewhere. In many cases, if you were a slave and you got sick, they would just discard you. So it wasn't even a thought in their mind. So for 400 years, they're slaves. And then God, by his grace, leads them out of Egyptian slavery and captivity, and he's moving them toward being in this new promised land and literally forming a new nation. And what's really interesting, this will describe some of the Old Testament to you and why some of it really has faded away, and it's not for us several thousand years later is because part of the old testament stuff was god actually not just giving commands and rules spiritually but god actually giving them kind of a civil agreement god giving them a here's how you operate as a new nation you guys don't know how to do anything you've never lived independently and so part of this is i want to show you how to function as a nation how to thrive as a nation and ultimately as an individual so he gives this brand new nation all of these rules these commands and and these civil laws in order to be able to live in a healthy way. And tops on the list or top five on the list is this idea of, hey guys, I want you, I know you don't have any context for this because you've lived as slaves. I want you to take a Sabbath and I want you to begin to build your life around this idea of space and your finances and your relationships in every area. And so God gives them the Ten Commandments and they're thinking, okay, this doesn't make sense. This is unheard of. It's dangerous. I mean, all of the other Ten Commandments, especially the first four, before you get to Sabbath, all of it makes sense. Number one, don't make any graven images. Don't create an idol. Eventually, they're going to betray you. Check, get that one. Don't lie. Don't have to explain that? Get that one. Please leave your neighbor's wife alone. Got that one? That's understandable. Please, um, like, just find a way to be content with where you are. Totally understand that. Take a day off, huh? Well, did you change the subject, God? what are you talking, yeah, yeah, take it, not if you, like, get the chance or get the opportunity or works. I'm just saying do it, and build, this is bigger than a day, build a lifestyle of margin and space into your life, it's a spiritual issue, it's a faith issue, work's gonna wait, there's is an issue of trust in me, just, I, I manufactured you, so I know what I'm talking about, take a Sabbath, take a day off, build this into your life, and then Jesus comes along, and he, he describes it this way, explains it this way, later on in Mark two twenty seven. he says, then he said to them, this is Jesus, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Meaning God did not create all the rules and then drop man, drop people into it. Like, you know, God didn't, okay, here's all of the rules and now I'm going to create man. Boom, good luck. That's not what he did. In fact, here's what you find. And let me, I got to go quick, but here's what you find throughout the scripture is that unconditional relationship always precedes the rules, unconditional relationship always precedes the commands. When God led the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery, God actually moved to a place where he established a covenant relationship with them. He basically let them know, listen, I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm adopting you as my sons and my daughters. We have a relationship that's never going to go anywhere. And once that unconditional relationship that could never be upended was established, it was only then that God said, okay, So here's the rules. Here's the commands. Here's how I want you to live life. Now that you know that I'm for you and I'm not after begrudging submission and I actually want the greatest good for your life, here's how you handle sex because I created it. It's awesome, but I want you to use it in the context of how I've designed it. I want you to handle your money this way. I want you to live your life this way. I want you to prioritize this way because I love you. It's why if you're not a Jesus follower, can I just say this? If somebody shakes their finger at you telling you you need to abide by this or that or this rule or this, command, you have no obligation to do anything the scripture teaches or anything I'm talking about today because you've never signed on to the Jesus thing. It's like me spanking a random kid walking down the sidewalk in front of my house. <laughs> At the 9 a.m., that seemed like that offended people uh, So, because I spanked my kids. So I'm, I am totally good with that because um, later on, they will be spanked in different ways if I don't do it now. So <laughs> We're all about it in the golden household. We have a special carved paddle. It's it's amazing. So um, I'm all about it. Um, all right, I gotta go. I, um, uh, we're, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spank. A random kid coming down the street because they're not going to abide by my rules. They don't live in my house. If you've never embraced the Jesus thing, you're you're not accountable to the commands or the rules of Scripture. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, then you are. Not because God is trying to destroy your life because He's going, I created you. I manufactured you. I didn't create the rules and then drop you into them. I created the rules and the commands for your ultimate good. And so throughout the Old Testament, what you find is the rules or the command actually reveal who God is, reveal the fact that he is good even though we question it, and actually lead us to maximum capacity with our lives as we live for his glory and for his story. It's why they were created. They're good. It's why David in the Old Testament says, like, I'm, 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 I'm completely on board with this because I want what you want for my life. And so, come on, God who created me, you know, God who created me says to every single one of us, Trust me. Trust me. Yeah, but what if I don't get everything? Trust me. Yeah, but what if? Trust me. This is an issue of trust. This is an issue of your faith in me. This is an issue of you syncing up with how I've created you to live and in your a- a- arrogance, not thinking that you know how to do it better than me, regardless of what culture says. Because they don't know. They're not the manufacturer creator of the universe. I am. So I'll never forget in seminary I was challenged by a professor about, hey, you just need to do this. You just need to do this. You need to take a day because ministry specifically can eat you alive as well as many other, you know, areas of work and industry. But it can eat you alive. So you need to do this. But bigger than just a day, this needs to be kind of a lifestyle. You need to build margin and space in every area your relationships, your spiritual health, your money, all of it. Do not go to the max. Understand that you have limits. Do not redline your life. And I remember determining when I heard that in seminary, I'm going to do that. And what's interesting is the only times that I have not done that in my life are times when I did not trust God. I did not believe that God would do what God said he would do. And I'll talk about that a little bit next week. And so, All throughout the New Testament, you see this and the Old Testament. The other kind of parallel or description other than Sabbath that you see with the same idea in the Old Testament is the law of gleaning. So you have Sabbath and you have law of gleaning. And in Leviticus 19.9, it describes it. And and just think about this. This is a hand-to-mouth culture. This is you eat and earn a living from your crops. I mean, this this is revolutionary. And here's what God implemented. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field. Or gather the gleanings. Basically, don't go to the edges of your field. I know it's yours. I know this is all part of your land. I know this is the crop that you harvested. But whatever you're harvesting, whether it's fruit or whatever, do not go all the way to the edges of your field. Make sure you leave some space. I know it's yours, but just leave some space. Do not go to the edges of your field or gather the gleanings, that, the stuff that falls on the ground of your harvest, verse 10, and do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Basically, you, you can't go back, oh, I missed some, I missed some, I missed some, you can't go back, and you can't go all the way to the edges, and again, they're thinking the same thing. we But, but what if, but what if, but what if? That, that, that's mine. I can't leave that on the table. I mean, whatever, all the things that we think. I, I can't do that. He's like, no, 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 Don't go to the edge and don't go back. And it, it, I get it's good crop. I'm not arguing that. I get it's yours. I understand it's good market share. I understand it's a good opportunity. I understand it's an amazing baseball league. I, I get all the stuff. Don't go to the edge. Don't take it to the limits. Don't go back just trust me leave them for the poor and the alien i'm the lord your god what's they got to be thinking did you just change the subject hey don't go to the edge of your fields make sure there's limits don't go back i'm the lord your god huh basically god's going this is a trust issue this is a faith issue This is, do you believe I am who I am, and do you believe that everything that I institute to say, hey, do this, is behind all of that a desire for your good and for my glory, and I want what is best for your life. So you just need to know this is a trust issue. Don't take it to the limit. Make sure there's Sabbath. Make sure there is space. I am the Lord your God. You can trust me. I know best how you're manufactured. You get that toy for your kid that you spend 14 hours trying to assemble, and then you finally look at the instructions and go, okay, this is how it works. He's like, hey, listen, I'm the manufacturer. I know how it works, so just trust me. I am the Lord your God. Then he says this in Deuteronomy 24:9, When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not take back Or do not go back to get it. And again, we're thinking, well, I gotta go back. I gotta get it. I I missed one, missed one. You missed one. No, don't go back. Don't get it. Leave it for the alien, for the fatherless, for the widow. So that as a result, the Lord your God, this is so powerful, may bless you that in the space, that in the margin, in the, you're not maxed out, that actually in that space there is blessing in all the work of your hands. This has been so powerful for me and in my own life personally. And this is kind of how I put it in my notes. So, okay, God, here's what you're saying that, that God will multiply what we do if we create space between our lifestyle and our limits. God's going, yeah, yeah, there's, there's actually blessing in that. And you know why? Because anytime people who follow me make a declaration of trust in a tangible way with their lives, there's always blessing with that. Anytime you decide to trust me and have faith in me, there's blessing with that. So I will bless what you don't do if you will honor me by creating some space. And I'm not talking about not working hard. I'm not talking about, you know, you're some hipster version of you're wearing your grandfather's clothes, but you don't have your grandfather's work ethic. I'm not talking about that. Like, this is, this is work hard. This is do all God's called you to do. This, that, that's a spiritual issue, too. We can talk about it another time. But this is do not take it to the limit. I want there to be space. I want there to be margin. And in the space, in the margin, it is a declaration. God, I trust you. God, I, I trust you. And I'm going to trust that you can multiply even what I didn't do when I decide to honor you. You can multiply what I didn't do when I decide to honor you. And then in the New Testament, Jesus comes along, and he kind of applies all of it this way in the most insensitive way imaginable. But Jesus comes along into that culture. And again, what he's about to say, so profound, but you you have all kinds of, not my industry. You don't know me, by the way, I have have three kids, five and under, so I understand like a little bit. Not in my world, not with what's going on in my life, not in this season, and and maybe not, and there's different seasons of our lives that we'll talk about next week, but there's all of this, that's naive, you don't know, whatever, dude, you're a pastor, like what insight do you have on this? I get all that, but here's my point, is when you are tempted to take everything to the limit, when you're tempted to max out, when you're tempted to live your life with no margin, relationally, financially, spiritually, where you can't even do the things that you would actually say, Are the most important thing Would you just stop To maybe ask the question Hey Am I afraid of anything And God Can can I trust you In this Do I feel like this is your will For my life Here's how Jesus said it In a very insensitive way So do not worry Thanks No just don't worry Just don't worry Saying what shall we eat That's a big deal You gotta eat You gotta live indoors That's That's a major part Of your life what shall we eat? What shall we drink? You got to, you got to have something to drink because there's no space. You're drinking a lot of the wrong stuff, but you have to have something to drink. What shall we wear? What do you, what you're wearing? What you, like you're, all of that's a big deal. And then he says this for the pagans, for the pagans. And here's what he means by this. Pagans in that culture is just anybody. It wasn't saying they didn't believe in God. They just didn't believe in a God who actually cared about humanity because their gods were gods like Jupiter and Zeus. And those gods did not care about humanity. They cared about raining down judgment. And so he's going, you have a heavenly father you, if you've entered into a relationship with Jesus, you have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. He knows your name. He's created you for a purpose, but you live your life like there is no distinguishable difference between you and the God that you serve and all of the other gods like Jupiter and Zeus, because all of you are freaking out about the same things. All of you are driven by the same fear. All of you are piling the same thing into your schedule, and I'm just telling you, because you have a heavenly father who knows you by name who created you who knows how you operate and work and has invited you into intimate relationship where you can call not jacked up earthly father but a perfect heavenly father your heavenly father who cares about your needs and is leading your life you don't have to worry about anything because your heavenly father knows that you need them what would happen if you actually believed that what if you believe that your heavenly father knows that you want to max out your kid's potential? He knows. What if you, you believe that God knows that you are single right now and you want to be married and you're tempted to misprioritize some things in your schedule? But what if you just believe, I have a heavenly father that knows, knows the deepest, desires of my heart? What if if you believe that your heavenly father knows what your kid needs right now as a sophomore in college at a university across the country? What if you believe that God knows that you want to see this business thrive and you want to maximize your potential? What if you believe that your heavenly father actually knew? What would that do to your life? What would that do to your schedule? What would that, what would that do to, in terms of how you spend your time, because I'm telling you, that's exactly where your heavenly Father wants to take you. It is a faith issue. It is a trust issue. It is not about not maximizing potential. As we said last week, Paul and Jesus were incredibly productive. No one will quote any of you or us in 2,000 years, so they know a lot about productivity. This is about God going, I want you to trust me. So here's what I know. Something or someone is going to determine the limits for your life. Something is, someone is. For some of you, it's gonna be when your life redlines and everything is flying out of control, and at that moment, your limits will be determined for you. But something or someone is gonna determine the limits for your life, or if you're a follower of Jesus, or if you ever do become one, which is our heart's desire, you'll allow your Heavenly Father to define the limits for your life. And it's hard, but here's what I know for a lot of us, is that eventually our mental willingness will be overcome by our physical exhaustion. And and you've committed and thrown sticks in the fire and sang songs, and you're all in and you want to honor God, and you want to invest in your kids spiritually, and you want to get them rooted and growing in church, and you want to be in community, and a community group, and investing in your marriage, and, and you want to, you know, have dinner with your kids, and invest in your family, and you want to lean in to really be there for your husband, or your wife, and, and all of the things that you stack up, but eventually, no matter how committed you are, or how loving you are, or how disciplined you are, your physical exhaustion emotionally physically spiritually relationally your your physical exhaustion will overcome your mental willingness and here's what I've seen so many times with dads who didn't have time to invest didn't have time to invest didn't have time to invest invest, or thought they were investing but it was really about them and not about their kids and and all of a sudden when their kid is 16 and everything is flying out of control and they're going hey can you fix them and it's an emergency and we have crisis mode it's amazing how much time they find at that moment I've seen so many dads, and they're in a place where, or, or I should say husbands, who, man, they know what should be most important in their relationship. They know what they should invest in. They know what they should be leaning into, and they don't do it. They don't do it. They don't do it. Season after season, there's no immediate consequences, so they just ignore it, and they just don't have time, and they don't have time, and she wants more. She wants more, but he doesn't have time, and all of a sudden, she walks out the door, and it's amazing how much time he finds in that moment, Listen, you, you need, again, you need to get with some 70 or 80 year olds that are way down the road for them so they can just explain to you listen, if I could do just about anything, I would go back and I would cha- trade some of my progress for more peace. I would go trade some of my prosperity for a little bit more peace. It is not worth it. And God wants you to max out as much as you want you to max out, but He knows the rhythm. He knows how he's manufactured you, and he is inviting you into trusting him in every area of your life. And come on, it's affecting us spiritually. I love this quote from Bill Hybels. He's a, a guy who's a pastor in Chicago and uh, leads a huge global network. And, and just in terms of his spiritual health and well-being, he said this, the pace at which I was doing the work of God was killing the work of God in me. And suddenly life just became an obligation, and you're not enjoying anything, and it's it's just things are kind of flying out of control, and then you have that, that moment where you just go off the handle, and whoever's in front of you, proximity, that gets the brunt of whatever you've kind of been prioritizing for maybe a couple seasons of your life, and it has nothing to do with them. So here's a couple things I want to give you practically that some of you th- will think is naive and i can't do that and i get it maybe you'll come back to this at a later date you need to take a a 24-hour sabbath and again i know some industries and this is different and so this is not about the letter of the law but this is about beginning to take steps to build this into your life it's bigger than a day but i think a day as much as you can is really really important where you just you just tune out some stuff it's not about progress like you take a walk not to burn calories Right? Uh, you you read some stuff. You go have dinner with good friends where you don't and drink good wine and don't feel pressed for time. You can have conversations that don't have bookends on them. You can go make love to your wife and enjoy your marriage relationship. You can spend some uninterrupted time with your kids. But man, you you need you need this. And it's impacting you spiritually and the relationships that matter most in your life. I love what Abraham Herschel says, because, oh, what, what, should, what, what should this look like? What should I do? I, it's different for everybody. Again, it's not a law. It's not a, a rule where you follow the letter of the law. But here's what he says. Those who work with their hands Sabbath with their minds. And those who work with their minds Sabbath with their hands. And so whatever that is for you, I work behind a desk. I study a lot. That's a lot of my life. So I'm getting little Nigerian dwarf goats, and I'm super excited about that, and that's all I'm going to say. But, like, you just need to find something, and you can milk them, and it is amazing. So <laughs> so you, whatever it is, that's it for me, all right? So you need to take a 24-hour Sabbath. You need to do whatever you need to do to learn how to unplug and enjoy And then, again, just a couple, you've read these. Don't check emails or social media before bed. Uh, There is so, so many studies about the fact that it's just increasing anxiety and stress levels, and inevitably you're jamming Cheetos in your mouth, and you're looking at something, and then somebody else is traveling the world, and you're like, I'm such a loser, and all of a sudden, like, things start to go out of control. You you need to just cut that off. One of the things that I don't do, and again, this is industry specific, I don't have emails come to my phone, but most people who do what I do don't think that's possible, but there was just a point, like, you can go to our CC app, and there's always a pastor on call if there's an emergency, but I just really I realized one time that there is no email that is important enough that I've got to check it at 7 p.m. at night, and then suddenly I start solving, because that's what my brain does, and I'm not present for my wife, and I'm not present for my kids, so I just don't do it, so I don't know what that is for you, and I understand seasons are different. My point is you, you just have to find ways to where you create some space. Recharge quarterly after a deadline, after a big project. Jesus modeled this in the New Testament. If you have a new baby, after your new baby starts to sleep through the night, go get away. My wife and I have started about every quarter, and again, this is extreme, so I get it, and for about four years, we never thought this was possible. We never got a night away from our kids that are now, again, three under five. And suddenly we just realized for the health of our marriage, because we want to have something to talk about when our kids finally leave the house, that's a thing. We want to invest in our marriage. So every quarter, we get away for a couple days with no kids. And it's hard, and it's expensive, and, but we just that is going to be a massive priority because it's a way that we invest in our marriage. And so whatever that is for you, recharge quarterly, give up some activities. We looked at that last week where you decide, my calendar is not going to control me. And don't be available 24-7. Again, there is some seasons and in industries where that's not always possible, but usually even in those, those are for a time, and then there's, you kind of get a rhythm of, then you come on the downside of that, and so during that time when you don't have to be, you need to try to unplug. You should never be available 24-7. It sounds great. It sounds spiritual. You eventually will develop exhaustion or compassion fatigue if you do what I do. You have got to be able to pull away and allow your schedule not to dictate your life, and by the way, you're business is not going to crumble the law of diminishing returns in many cases you're less productive anyway you have got to build it into the rhythm of your life and it is a faith issue it is a trust issue and so i just want to land this plane with this your rest and your inability to do it again not just with a day but with your life and how you're scheduling your life it is connected to your trust And so we need to move back to the cross. And that seems like, again, what does that have to do? Because the cross is this declaration in history that God is for us. That God is with us. That God knows. That God has our best interest at heart. That God has created us for something very specific. And here's the other thing that the cross declares to us: that we just need to come around. If I could make this happen, and my prayer is, Holy Spirit, do your thing in this place. We need to be awakened to the fact that salvation is not just forgiveness of sin. It is a new life, and you have a heavenly Father that declares over you because of what Jesus did. You are accepted. You are loved, it's as if because you get all the benefits of what Christ did that your life has already earned it's already been successful it's already achieved, it's already done something significant, you are already somebody, you don't have to work for acceptance, every day of your life you're coming from acceptance, from a creator God that knows you and loves you anyway that says I did what you couldn't do, I maxed out where you couldn't max out I lived the perfect life that you could not live and now because of your trust in me I'm giving you all of the benefits of that and that's not going to hinder progress It's just going to keep you in a place where you're able to align with what is really important You're able to breathe you're able to have peace you're able to maximize living for my glory And you are never to feel the weight again of the fact that I've got to keep up Or I've got to stay with or I've got to try to be somebody because you already are in Christ And so that should never dictate your schedule again So the God who knows what you need says, I'm your protector. I'm your defender. Psalm, I think, 8411, that he is a sun and a shield, unlimited resource, and ultimate protection, and no good thing does he withhold from those who follow him. And I am ultimately your rescuer. So is there a relationship between your lack of Sabbath and your trust And to quote Craig Rochelle, and I love this quote, is that if you don't want what everyone else has, don't do what everyone else does. And don't get to another season of your life. I mean, this is my prayer. I want, it is so difficult. Uh, There's a hundred things already crowding in for our time. And I know I'm a pastor, so I should do this, but I want to do this. I, I want my kids to love the local church. I want them to be rooted. I want them to have community on a weekly basis so that when they go off the rails, and at some level they will, that they're going to have somebody that they're going to listen to. I want them to love Jesus when they're 18, and it means I've got to make some hard decisions right now. I've got to give up some stuff. I've got to say, you're not going to do that. I want to love my wife well. I want to get to another season where it is, it is not perfect, but it's, it's what God had created us for. I want to, I want to be a great friend to the people who God's placed in my life. And I know in large part, it's going to be determined by my trust that ultimately is going to drive my schedule. And I don't want to get to another season to go, man, I would have traded some progress. And I would have traded some prosperity. Because I'd give anything to have more peace. So I think you just need to make a declaration around that. That I'll give up some progress and just trust God. God will bless what you can't do when you honor him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up maybe some progress and prosperity for the sake of peace. Because here's the thing. I think we're a generation where we are simultaneously exhausted and we're bored. And we're bored because we've stepped out of, again, the rhythm of what God has actually created us and you to do. And we're looking at everybody else. And so we're exhausted, but we're bored because we're living outside of his purposes for our life. And so I know for a lot of you, you already know what you need to do. That's never probably been the case for a lot of you. Or or maybe you have been hiding behind some excuses and you're trying to sell yourself on it, but in a lot of cases, it just kind of comes to the surface. You know what you need to do. I I need to invest in my kids. I need to change some things with my marriage. I need to get rooted in a local church and stop playing these crazy games we play. I need to get into a community group. I need to take a next step. I need to invest in me spiritually. I I need to to go after that person who's just kind of been moved to the margins, not because I've wanted to, because my schedule has just dictated it. And I, I just need to go back and I need to change some things. And I think the prayer is, God, give me courage, because for a lot of you, it's just going to take courage. And some people are actually going to think you're weird. So, as we close, is my current pace sustainable? Is your current pace sustainable? That's a spiritual issue. That's a faith issue. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And what is driving your schedule? God, teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Would you guys pray with me all over the house? Just heads bowed and eyes closed. Just out of respect over people who are around you. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. And I just pray that right now in this moment, we would just, we would confess for some of us. That that means just face up to the truth and be honest with you. But then there's a second step. We have to be honest with ourselves. And then I pray that, Lord, we would repent. And this is a jacked up kind of, it's been so jacked up in many cases, this word and the meaning behind this, but just meaning that we would change our mind. That we're gonna honor you and we're gonna make some hard decisions and we're gonna live differently. So help us to confess and help us to change, repent. And in many cases, what we're confessing and repenting of is striving for contentment and peace in the schedule, in the marketplace, and the education and the business and the financial bottom line in wanting to be seen a certain way by people who live around us and with us. When ultimately we know that contentment can only be found in aligning with your priorities for our lives. So God, I thank you for what I know you are doing in hearts and lives even in this moment because it is what you do. And people all over the country, literally, who are even listening right now. Do your thing. Give us courage. And for some of us, I pray you would change us in such a way we would never be the same again, and consequently our schedules would never be the same again. We pray this in Jesus' incredible name.